to the Think Kingdom podcast. I am Marcus Looney, the creative arts director here at Think Kingdom. We're continuing the sermon series, Filters, Seeing Through a Kingdom Lens. So let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's word has for us with our resident pastor, Ramon Belagampa. Hey, good morning. Happy Sunday. Happy Lord's Day. Welcome to Think Kingdom's online worship gathering. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us this Sunday, and I'm excited to preach God's word this morning as we are um, in our second installment in a really great sermon series that we feel is going to be transformative for our church and also for um, the church at large and whoever views um, our sermons and spends time with us. I'm Pastor Ramon. I'm the resident pastor here at Think Kingdom. And we're preaching our second message in our filter series, Seeing Through a Kingdom Lens. Okay? So if you open up your Bibles real quick, we're running through the Beatitudes. So we're going to be in Matthew 5, verse 4 today, this morning. That's what we're going to be unpacking. We're going to get it going. Let's um, read Matthew 5, 4. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed are those who who mourn, for they will be comforted. So this morning, I'm going to be preaching a message in this series called Mourning Through a Kingdom Lens. Mourning Through a Kingdom Lens. Let's go to our our Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity um, to be on the other end of this camera to proclaim the word of God in a time where our family is not able to gather together because of this pandemic, we're trying to do what's best and how we love our neighbors. Um, And we also are trying to hear from you. Um, This is a unique time and culture. It feels like everything, we're saying the word unprecedented. And there's just so many things going on. Our country is so divided. Uh, We have an inauguration coming up this week. Uh, We pray for a peaceful transition of power. We pray for God's people to follow Jesus during this time, not to follow other things. And I just pray that clearly um, the people of God hear the word of God through me. Let me be your vessel. Let me point people to Jesus during this time. I pray all of this and ask for the extra needed of grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So... On January 6th, 2020, not 2020, sorry, 2021, let me get that right. A lot was revealed to the world um, on the day of the Christian liturgical calendar that we annually celebrate the light of Christ to the world was actually really just a day of utter darkness. I couldn't believe it. If you're unfamiliar with what I'm even talking about, What has historically been celebrated 12 days after Christmas is known as the Feast of Epiphany. So as I preach to you this Sunday, this is actually the second Sunday of Epiphany, the season of Epiphany. The real theme of the season of Epiphany is a time of manifestation and revelation. It's a revealing of what is hidden to the world and it's often celebrated the season of epiphany that day of the feast of epiphany is celebrated through three events in the life of christ first is the time when the wise men come to visit baby jesus that by the morning star they know that the messiah of the world has come 
Also, secondly, it's a, it's an event on the, on the Feast of Epiphany that we celebrate the baptism of Christ by John the Baptist. And thirdly, it's also when we look at the event of Jesus' first miracle when he turned water into wine at the wedding in, Can in Cana. So in all, we look at the Feast of Epiphany on January 6th, the church should have been so focused on the three epiphanies that, that told us about that Christ is the Messiah. But what happened and occurred on January 6th in our nation's capital actually was an epiphany for some others in the church as they may now see what many of us have already seen was coming down the pipe and maybe there was a place of mourning that their hearts were placed in. So that day that marks the beginning of the season of Epiphany also revealed to us what is the dominant lens through which many in the Church of America are seeing through in this current moment. Like through the lens of their, unfortunately, their, their controlling sins, rather than seeing through the lenses of the kingdom. What we realize and what Pastor Antoine like spoke to us last week when he was unpacking it through Matthew 13, that there were three filters that help us build and see through the kingdom lens. But what I wanna make clear to you is that the heart is the prime filter through which we see all of reality and how we see through a kingdom lens. So just as it's foolish to watch a movie in 3D without 3D glasses, so is foolish for us in Christ to live out our faith without repenting of our sinful idolatry in our hearts. And that's actually leaving our hearts, the filter of our hearts, filthy. And the reality of it is, and the main point of this sermon, because we are citizens of the kingdom, we must mourn through a kingdom lens. I'll say it one more time for you. Because we are citizens of the kingdom, we must mourn through a kingdom lens. And then you ask, how do we mourn? We must mourn firstly over our sins. Secondly, we must learn to mourn over evil. Thirdly, we must mourn with hope. And that leads us to, we must mourn over our sins. We can't never get it twisted, y'all. Because we are citizens of the kingdom of God, the reality of it is, family, we got to move different. We have to be different than the world. We have to be counterculture. We can't be screaming the same things that we see from the pundits on the news media or on social media. Christ, in this, in this text, is letting his disciples know in, in this Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes the way of the kingdom. And the reality of it is, is when the church is moving in the direction and step with the spirit, we show the world heaven's presence on earth. The reality of it is that everything we do, where we go, because we are gathered, we're usually on Sundays, but during the week, we must scatter. And we need to realize that we need to be heaven's presence on earth to those who have not yet been found. And our lens through which we see the world and how we live in the world should be a ray of light. It should be a breath of fresh air. It's hard for us to see the world through a kingdom lens when we don't understand that we are poor in spirit. That's all we talked about last week. We got to realize that we are spiritual beggars in need of the bread of life. And that without that realization that we are spiritually bankrupt, we can't know the reality of the blessing of the kingdom of God here and now. 
The kingdom of heaven is here now. And Jesus wanted his disciples to see through the lens of our brokenness. That's what it calls for us to be poor in spirit and the righteousness of God's kingdom. He wanted us to know that. And righteousness, something that y'all may not know, but reality in the Hebrew, the, the word righteousness is also, it has the same meaning of justice. So we have to understand that righteousness and justice and our theology are two sides of the same coin. And part of seeing through a kin, kingdom lens, right, is understanding what does it mean to mourn? What does it mean to lament? And what is the context of what this message that Jesus is delivering? Like, what's the context? Why is he saying blessed are those who mourn? And for us to understand that, we got to know what's going on in Isaiah 61. Looking at the first three verses. The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the Lord of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. And what Jesus is telling us, what blessed are those who mourn, is actually, he's telling us this is the pathway to blessing. It's only when we know that we are dead wrong before God, and we are so broken up about it, that there's actually going to be some change that's going to come in our lives. If we don't, if we're not broken up about it, we're going to settle for complacency. We're going to, in our sin. Are we going to settle for being anxious and living in a state of anxiety because we're not living right before God? And both of those outcomes, what does that lead us to, family? It's going to lead us to an earlier death. We're going to leave where we are earlier because we're choosing sin over choosing the blessedness of God. And it also, it's going to make us ineffective in our Christian witness. So if we're up there petting our lust problem, if we up there continually to sit down and overeat with, with gluttony, or we, are we so greedy that we can't keep our eyes off the stock market? Or we're so lazy that we don't want to read our Bibles or clean our houses that we major in slothfulness? Or that we envious of other people because we keep checking on Instagram and, and, and Facebook and Twitter and we see that people that we, that we know that they have something that we don't have. And it's just breeding enviness in our heart. The reality of it is, family, we need to mourn over our condition before God or we will never see with a kingdom lens. We can't expect the filter of our heart to function properly unless there is conviction of our sins. To mourn in Christ doesn't mean that we continually should be beating ourselves up. So that's what I want. I don't want y'all continue. Y'all been listening to the sermon so far and y'all just been just been knocking yourself in the head like, oh man, woe is me, woe is me. I don't want y'all beating yourselves up. But it also doesn't mean that we should just be turning a, a blind eye to our sin struggles. Like we're gonna be alright. Like, no, we have to realize that we gotta strike a balance because it impacts how we see the world around us. 
because our heart filter is so vital to us seeing through a kingdom lens. And family, we don't want to be a people that's so hard on ourselves that we condemn everybody around us. That's not what, that's what not mourning over our sins should call us to. And it also, because when we do that, right, when we're condemning everyone around us, it shows that we're rich in spirit. It shows that we're arrogant, prideful, and self-righteous. And we see that in the Gospels when we look at the Pharisees. But then also, family, I don't want y'all to be so easy on, on, on ourselves and, and not looking at our sin rightly that we're straight affirming the ways in the world that we know from Scripture that are in rebellion to God and His design for the world and how it flourishes. And literally, we're straight destroying our souls by living our lives in sin. Living with a divided mind, being that double-minded person that, that James talks about in, in, in his letter. We, that's that's kind of like the Sadducees that we see in the Gospels. But Jesus wanted to make clear to his disciples and us today that his people should be marked by mourning and repentance. That we should cry out to the Lord because of our sin, that we need change because we're poor in spirit and that we wanna to move towards repentance. And something that you may not know, but in the Psalms, there are actually 42 Psalms of lament. There's literally 30 Psalms that are for the individual for lament that you can read through a Psalm of lament almost every day of the month. And the other 12 are communal laments as, as God's people. But we should be a people that is that we find it okay to lament. That we can feel okay to express our complaints to God because we know that God's got us. And then we, we wouldn't have to be walking around like we got it all together. Like really, who are you fooling? We are all born in sin. And we struggling with sin somewhere. Some area of our life we have not gave over to the Lordship of Christ. So even though this is your new creation in Christ, we still struggling. And Paul kept it a hundred. Paul always kept it a hundred. He said, yo, sin be tripping us up. And he also told us how we should face it and keep it real. Let's, let's look at Romans 7.21 verses 7.21 to verse 25. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of, my, of the mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in that part of my body. What a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of of sin we must mourn over our sin and look to Christ Jesus for he is our comfort he brings us the crown of beauty in the here and now he pours oil over our sin wounds and he speaks peace to our sore and scared and scarred hearts on our part, family, we gotta fight in repentance. And mourning must be with God in view, not ourselves. In this selfie age, even how we mourn can be so impacted. 
We could be so shaped by, by oh, when we mourn over our sin by shame, approval, and our feelings. But the reality of it is, is that can't be the basis of our repentance. And Paul makes this crystal clear to us when he says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. So even with this, Paul is consistent with scripture. One path leads to blessing and the other cursing. So once the filter of our heart is right through self-examination and repentance, we will be able to see clearly through a kingdom lens. That will, once we're able to, once we get to that point, our, our attitude and our posture will be in line with the humility of Christ. We will live with the inward conviction to mourn rightly without self-righteousness or lawlessness. Living poor in spirit and with the ability to mourn rightly are the foundational pieces of our heart filter. As, with a, as without a clear heart filter, we won't be able to see the world around us rightly. So let us be committed to mourn over our sins, to see through a kingdom lens, but also let us be committed to mourn over evil. So I spent a good part of this sermon probably almost the first 20 minutes now, trying to unpack my first point because when seeing through a kingdom lens, if the heart filter isn't right, we can't expect to be the ears and the eyes of Jesus. And this, this was always the problem of the nation of Israel. We got, we got receipts of a whole Old Testament that tell us the truth of this. I'm just gonna pick out a couple real quick. Psalm 81, 12. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. Ezekiel 3.7 But the house of Israel will not want to listen to you because they did not want to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hard-headed and hard-hearted. That's so funny that we see hard-headed. I, I know I used to hear that all the time when I was a, was a child. I never knew that that really even had any biblical reference. But now I'm seeing <laughs> hard when your parents called you hard-headed it was for a reason because you wasn't obeying God so Israel back to back to back to tech to, to preaching Israel failed and God sent the true Israel into the world and as believers we follow the true Israel Jesus Christ our call for us is to image him in the world so we can't be seen as hard-headed and hard-hearted the filter of our ears and eyes are super off when we are hard-hearted. So the lens that we see the world will be super off. And God sent, God sent prophets all the time in the Old Testament to the world continually to tell Israel, yo, y'all off. But did that make any difference? Unfortunately, I have to say no. Didn't scripture tell us that the Old Testament was given to us so that the church wouldn't repeat the same mistakes of the nation of Israel? Hold on, let me check for a second. Let's see if we got some receipts for that. Yep, we do. Speaking of hard-heartedness and the idolatrous Israel, we could go to 1 Corinthians 10, 11. These things happen to them as examples. 
and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. <laughs> what, are, what are some ways in which hard-heartedness impacted Israel and how they see? The reality of it is, is that they failed. Israel failed in their missional call from God. You may ask, what was the missional call of the nation of Israel? God was calling Israel to be a light to the nations. A light to the nations so that the nations could know about the glory of God and that they will worship the God of Israel. And this call was given to the nation of Israel in Genesis 12, 3. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. From the beginning of God's pe people, there was a call for them to be missionary. They were called to be a chosen channel of blessing for others. I think we need to know that that's the call of the church too, but let me continue. As Israel was obedient to God's command and reflected a countercultural community under God's reign, they would be a light to the nations and they would be able to bless others. But think about it. We got those receipts. What did Israel do? They straight disobeyed God and they joined the nations in rebellion. Huh? How God's people have God's word, got his commands, and they went left. Israel shows us that when your heart filter is intoxicated with sin, you can't see straight. You can't hear. And you miss God's missional call. All of the history in the prophetic books in the Old Testament, they give us receipts. Like what we're calling for now, what the church should be doing, it's not because it hasn't been done the wrong way by God's people in the past. It's showing us Israel's inability to see God's world through a kingdom lens. The whole books of Hosea and Amos really put Israel on blast as their ability to hear and see God's will was gone, straight gone. Hosea prophesied against Israel about their covenant unfaithfulness. If you want to use Christian terms, their idolatry. And he let them know in a personal sense. He let them know about their sins of lying, deception, stealing, murder, sexual perversion, just to name a few. They looked and smelled, not like God's kingdom, but the kingdom of Satan. And they weren't a light to the nation. They were actually darkness, like the nations. And then we get to the book of Amos. Amos prophesied about Israel, about that same idolatry, that same covenant unfaithfulness to God as well. But the difference, whereas Hosea emphasized personal sins, Amos was emphasizing social sins and how their idolatry was, was connecting to the moral decay in the society and the social injustice that was going on in the society. Amos was pointing out all of the economic injustice. He was pointing out the materialism of the nation of Israel. He was, he was pointing out the religious hypocrisy of all things that God finds evil. Hmm. Sounding kind of familiar right now. 
But what Amos was saying is that there was no mourning. He was showing us that there was no mourning going on in Israel. There was no mourning. And I'm trying to point to a principle here. That when God's people hunger for things other than God, they depart from their first love. And this causes them to fail to see through a kingdom lens. With no ability to mourn over evil. And Martin Luther King Jr.'s ministry and his writings, he consistently pointed out to the majority of the American church, their idolatry, their failure to mourn evil, and their participation in the sins of the land. But you know something else about Martin Luther King, who we celebrate tomorrow, and whose birthday was Friday? We see that he was commonly denounced by a majority of the church. And sadly, even today, we can say the same things. And what I want to make clear to you is that when one speaks prophetically to the sins of God's people, it is often not heard and those in sin pick up their fig leaves and cover up. We see it in scripture and I'm pointing it in modern day history. We got receipts. When you fail to mourn over evil, you can't see through a kingdom lens. Because the filter of your heart is black as a windowless room without no light. When one is unable to mourn over evil, they will always fail to love their neighbor justice justly. And the clearest illustration of what I'm talking about in the Bible is in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So let's, 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 let's run over to Luke 10. I'm going to read verses 30 to 35. Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. And they stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he went, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Church, let us not follow Israel's example and fail to mourn over the evil in our communities, our city, and our land. Let us be a people who calls what is evil, evil. And what's grieved about what grieves the heart of God. It's a call for us to be witnesses and ambassadors for Christ and his kingdom. The colony of heaven in a culture of rebellion against God. Even if you're thinking, Pastor, this don't apply to me. What about your neighbor? Don't be silent. More than likely, we all know someone in our circles 
who is failing to mourn over evil. The kingdom, I'm telling you, point them back to Jesus, our first love. We need to unite as Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17 calls us to. We can't let false gospels, fake news, conspiracies, sinful isms continue to divide and polarize the church in America. People is hurting in our land. May we not be a people who don't hear and don't see because we failed to see through a kingdom lens. And thus we fail to mourn over evil. The world doesn't need a church committed to injustice, materialism, and religious hypocrisy. The world doesn't need a church more concerned about their institution and their rights than the mystical, missional task of spreading the news of the kingdom. May we grow in Christ's kingdom, continuing to be a family of disciples marked by compassion, mercy, and generosity. A family able to mourn over evil, see it through a kingdom lens where we live, where we work, and where we play. And this is where our divided land so desperately needs. For us to see through a kingdom lens calls for us not only to mourn over our sins and evil, but also we got to mourn with hope. I like the words of Christ in the first beatitude. The second beatitude gives a promise in the future, for they will be comforted. Actually, only the first and the last beatitudes actually let us know that God's children are blessed in the present with all of his fullness. Making those two verses kind of like bookends for, for Jesus' audience. The comforting view that Christ for his, has for his disciples, family, I want y'all to know, is that it's seen in two horizons. So we're talking about the here and now and the life to come. And for those in Christ in the here and now, he has promised to send the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. And translated, comforter is, is seen as counselor, like, like from Isaiah 9. So I want to I I take us to John 14, 16, and also verse 26. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, that wonderful counselor, to be with you forever. John 14, 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. We can mourn with hope as citizens in the kingdom because the Holy Spirit is our ever-present hope. We can mourn with hope because Christ, our high priest, sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. We can mourn with hope because Christ, our high priest, can sympathize with all of our weaknesses because he has suffered and died for us. 2 Corinthians 1, 5 through 7. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient, patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as we share in the sufferings, 
so you will also share in the comfort. May we be a people who are quick to mourn within, us, within ourselves and with others. May we be a compassionate people crying out in praise of lament to the Lord, giving our burdens to him and choosing to mourn rightly, not seeking to mourn by the ways of the world, not seeking to mourn by binging on TV, not seeking to mourn by overeating, not seeking to mourn by self-medicating with drugs or alcohol, not, not seeking to mourn by watching porn, not seeking to mourn by playing video games all night, not seeking to mourn by taking our pain to vent on social media. Family, keep this point clear. Mourning through distraction will never leave us blessed. When we let our technology shape our heart filters, TV, radio, social media, blogs, podcasts, we will fail to be able to mourn rightly. And all that will breed will be indifference, apathy, silence, condemnation, uncompassionate responses. That's, that's gonna be the norm. Weeping and lament, which are the proper responses of how we mourn, is when we know that we're seeing through a kingdom lens. Always remember that your spiritual heritage in Christ is greater than your natural heritage in Adam. We always examine ourselves when we are mourning. And we have to ask ourselves, think kingdom, what are we mourning? We must not be mourning that our stocks went down today. We must not be mourning that Joe Biden is going to be president in a few days. We must not be mourning the fact that we can't get our way and we got to wear a mask. We cannot be mourning over things that don't matter for all of eternity. Mourning our idols will always lead us to evil and destruction. And family, I say, remember Israel. Because when we're not seeing through a kingdom lens, because our heart is sin sick, we always have spiritual confusion. And that always leads to social and political disorder. And that's what we see in the land. We are saltless salt being trampled on as a church in America. We are not that little light that's shining. We're not that city on the hill. And Think Kingdom, the major goal of this series is that in 2021, we as a family of disciples who make disciples, I not only need to be majoring in Thinking Kingdom, I pray that this series is also one that we seek to major in embodying the way of the kingdom by seeing through a kingdom lens. So brothers and sisters, let us be committed to mourn over our sins, over evil, 
and with hope because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in heaven and it's our call to mourn through a kingdom lens. Let us pray. Father, thank you for being so gracious to your people, for being a God who keeps all of his covenants, someone whose faithfulness is unmatched, who is a holy God, who desires a holy people. And may we be thinking of a family who seeks to live ready, who seeks to grow in holiness, to grow in that righteousness, to be a people who are committed also to justice in the land, to be a people who reflect the image of God in the world, to be that colony of heaven which shows as we scatter that we are heaven's presence in the midst of a hellbound earth. I pray that Christ be glorified as we see through a kingdom lens. And I pray that we seek to do that every day where we live, where we work, and we play, to do it all for the glory of God and his kingdom. I pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Pastor Ramon teaching in the series Filters. He reminded us how grace and repentance is a beautiful thing and not to keep pet sense around our hearts. If you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast, you feel led to give, feel free to text the word give to 704-741-3705. We want to welcome all of our new friends turned family to Think Kingdom and if you haven't, Go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message, and more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.